Hey, hey, friends, and welcome to World Domination. I'm your host, Monica Ferguson, and you are in the perfect place to learn how to grow, how to become an even more amazing version of you, and to connect into a community of like-minded people who are all walking this path and aren't afraid to share the highs and the lows of chasing your dreams. I'm so glad you're here with us. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hey, hey, beautiful people, Monica Ferguson here, and welcome to my latest episode of World Domination. Today, I bring you a super inspiring story from Angelica Allen, my newest inspirational friend. And I don't want to ruin too much for you other than to let you know that her story starts with her getting diagnosed with stage three bowel cancer at 38 years old. And I want to share with you her incredible story and all of her lessons and wisdom and everything. Such a great episode, you guys. Stay inspired, stay tuned, enjoy. Okay, we're live. Angelica Allen, welcome along, my friend, my new friend. <laughs> oh, we could have chatted for hours here just before you press, press recorded, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that's a record, like 10 minutes going from stranger to like best friend. I mean, just honestly, I love my life. <laughs> How cool is this? <laughs> luckily you said come on we have to record this otherwise we would have just gone on for the whole day <laughs> yes honestly that just happens all the time all the, especially in a space like this when we're all fired up and excited and it just can easily do that so in saying that where do we start with you and your story where do we even begin <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that's a good question I guess that um I think we've, we were drawn uh, to each other's stories um, through maybe the self-love, right? Like I was diagnosed with stage three back cancer in 2018 and it was a completely uh, shock, not only to me, but to the doctors and to everybody around me because it was not expected. Um, you know, I don't have any family history or anything like that. I didn't show any kind of, I didn't have any history that would kind of lead me to that diagnosis. Yeah. And I, when I was faced with that, that was like real, like I needed to take that serious, right? Like for me, it was like, I believe in God. And for me, it was just, you know, not in a bad way, but I was just, I reached out to God in that moment when I was, when I was diagnosed and was told, you know, it's definitely cancer after my emergency surgery. And I thought, wow, that's full on. Like, are you serious? <laughs> And he yeah. said, but you didn't listen. I gave you so many signs. And for me, it was um, from that moment, instead of getting to that space of, um, you know, why me and, you know, like uh, angry with cancer or anything like that, I really had to sit back and reflect. Um, I'm not going to say that I wasn't scared because I was, you know, I, I didn't know anybody who had gone through chemo. I didn't know anybody who had gone through cancer close to me. So for me, pretty much when I heard that diagnosis, especially because it was stage three B had already, um, I spread to my lymph node. So I stepped away from being stage four. I thought cancer equals death, you know, and I spent two weeks like in a very dark place thinking, how am I going to do this, right? How am I going to get out of this? No, how did I get here? How is this possible, you know? And really, uh, it was hard. It was very, very, very hard. 
And um, I remember going to um, my, actually there was one day my husband uh, took the kids to, to, to the beach and I was from my emergency surgery to the start of my chemo, I had one week to recover. So they had taken the cancer out and rejoined my bowel and I had a month and they said, you know, sunshine in a month's time, you're going to need to start your 12 sessions of chemotherapy. And I'm, and I'm thinking like, how the heck am I going to do that? And they were like, oh, don't worry. You're stronger than most. That's what they told me. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Um, so I had to recover pretty quickly because, you know, I needed to start that journey. And uh, I was at home by myself. And I remember this day, I just... Uh, put some really sad music on and I just cried. I just mm -hmm. cried and cried and like sobbing, like really, really allowed myself just to, it was almost like it was a river of blood coming out of, of my soul, you know, in my body, you know, like I really allowed myself to just be sad, you know, for um, what had happened to me, you know, like really, uh, to to hold space for me to for the first time to acknowledge where I was for real you know there was no more facades there were no more like hiding there were no more like oh I'll be okay I'll push this through there was none of that there was just like here you are and you need to now sit with this and I think after that day that was probably like two weeks after my emergency surgery and I had another two weeks to recover I was like after this I, I'm ready I'm ready for this, you know, like I'm ready to, uh, to start going through this, you know, like journey of chemotherapy. And, uh, and I think that's where it always started, you know, like for me to, um, acknowledge what I was, you know, how I had got myself there, you know, and where I love your work, you know, like that I, I was drawn to your work as well. You know, there was an enormous amount of lack of self-love, mm -hmm. you know, as something that I did not realize, right? Something that I, I hadn't really stopped to become aware of, you know, I had this constant chatter inside myself uh, going, you know, whatever you do, it's not enough. Yeah which is the same as saying you are not enough, right? But it was like this constantly chatter saying, what else can you do? Mm. You know, like, let's face it, there is always something else you can do, right? But if you are always asking yourself that question, you're just always dragging yourself down, right? Mm -hmm. And I am a type A, a doer, you know, like I am all go. Yeah. And this is all great, right? And I hate the word perfectionist because I think that's just a way for us to hide behind a, like a total stupid facade, like, you know, but I was trying to be this person that I thought was perfect, you know, like a perfect mom, a perfect wife, a perfect friend, a perfect employee, you know, perfect everything. And in that, you know, in that kind of mindset, in that kind of seeking this perfection, I almost killed myself. Mm -hmm. And then this is the reality in a nutshell of what it is. So this is why I hate the word perfectionist because no one's perfect. <laughs> no one will ever be perfect. And I think we need to come to terms with that, right? And we need to start putting our hand up and say, I am far from being perfect. And for me, that was a big thing, right? I've just realized, gee, you know, everything that I've done in the last 38 years to chase this perfection, it was a far from being perfect, far, miles away from being perfect. Yeah. 
And, you know, and when this self-love came into place is that, you know, I'm not going to lie. When I first started my healing journey, I did it for my kids. You know, I wanted to survive for my kids big time. I wanted to be there for them. I wanted to live for them. But I stayed at home because I self-quarantined myself because I was getting sick and colds and coughs. And when you get sick with like colds and coughs, you can't have your chemo treatment. So I needed to really self-isolate myself. And when I did that, it was just me, myself and I at home, no more running away, no more, you know, getting busy. It was just like, uh oh, who is this person? You know, who is this body? You know, like who is this, you know, mind, you know, that it's going around and is being running around from herself all her life. And I needed to start building this relationship with myself, like from scratch. And I wouldn't say it was as friendly as me and you today. (laughs) (laughs) I can't relate to that at all. (laughs) No, that's exactly where I started as well. It was vicious and I heard it and I was just like, is that how I've been speaking to myself my whole life? That is disgusting. I would never speak like that to anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for me, there was this lack of, of connection with myself, this lack of connection with my body and my mind. And it was this like completely, you know, like I was oblivious of what was going on, you know, like, I don't know what I lived in a different planet than, you know, this planet here in my own body and mind. And so, you know, like, and, and it was not easy, you know, and, you know, when I set myself the task to start meditating, you know, and, and, you know, the guided meditation saying, oh, go inwards. And I'm like, but I really don't want to do that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Can I go somewhere else? Can I get busy? You know? And, and that was, um, for me, that was probably the most beautiful gift that cancer has given me, uh, that ability to build this beautiful relationship with myself. Uh, it was seven and a half months, my whole, my entire treatment. And I hold that period of my life very, very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I came out of it feeling I love myself. You know, I came out of it thinking I'm actually a pretty cool person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have you know, I, yeah. Yeah. I came out of it thinking, I just want more. I want to spend more time with me. You know, like this is so good. And I remember saying to my husband, um, you know, I, I run away from myself for so many years now. I kind of enjoy spending time with myself. But he said to me, yeah, you enjoy now too much. Because... <laughs> So that was uh, the most beautiful gift that I received from cancer was, uh, you know, that shift from wanting to live for my kids to wanting to live for myself. Mm. Oh, so good. Yeah. So that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I started doing it for me, you know, and I've started putting myself first without any guilt or, you know, like feeling off like, should I be doing this? you know, it it just came natural to me, you know, like it does today, Mm. you know, by the time my kids wake up, they have already done my meditation, my exercise, they know not to come here and bother me. They know not to come here and, and ask me any questions or ask me anything. Right. I put myself first big time, you know, and I, and again, you know, it was a hard realization that I had to come to terms. If I, if I didn't start putting myself first, 
bit for them. Mm. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, when you become a mom, that's a hard, um, you know, finding that balance and, and sitting with confidence in that place, right? I tell my kids like small little things like that, right? So we're having dinner and there is, you know, one falafel left. And then, they will, you know, my husband will be like, no, you can have it. And I'll be like, no, I will have half and you have half. Yeah. You know, I want to teach them that they need to look after themselves first. Yeah. You know, that they need to, to really value themselves first and everything else will fall into place after that. Mm, yeah beautiful beautiful it goes against everything we've been taught doesn't it yeah everything you've just said i can feel the resistance coming from people to be like oh because so often like as women for one thing we are taught that our needs come second we have to look after everyone else and then a lot of mums that i speak to as well are exactly that i've got to put the kids first but it's that shift into realizing that you're modeling for them how they're going to love themselves. Oh, goosebumps. So the more that you love yourself, you're teaching them how to love themselves, which yeah. is setting them up for life. But, but also, like, you matter. It's not like you've lost your identity just because you married someone or you had children. Exactly. You know? But exactly. Like, but we're taught to think that way, aren't we? And it's, we've got to unlearn the shit. We've just got to unlearn it. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, it was a big, a big part of this process was to take my kids and my husband with me in this journey, right? Yeah. Like everything that I did that I changed, I took them with me. Like the, the, the food, the exercise, you know, becoming more active, you know, looking after more yourself, your health, your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health. Like I took them in a journey with me and I feel that kids, they do what they watch you doing, not what you tell them to do, right? Yeah. If I tell them, oh, you need to love yourself and I am running myself ragged, they're never going to learn that, right? Yeah. And I remember that because when I, um, after my emergency surgery, my kids came to the hospital and and at that point, I already knew that I, it was stage three back cancer and I was holding myself together so I didn't like break down in front of them, right? And my kids came and said, mommy, yeah, they were all happy, you know, and I, it makes me want to cry now. And, and I had tears in my eyes and my daughter, who was four, she looked at me and said, what's that water in your eyes? Yeah. And I've just realized, shit, my daughter is four and she has never seen me cry. Yeah. And that is not real. Yeah. Mm. And that is so not real. I need to um, teach my daughter that it's okay to cry, right? It's okay not to be strong all the time. And I must admit that's really hard for me even to this date. Yeah. You know, like, um, and, and it's something that I, I still work on, you know, like to, to try to teach them that, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm. And for me, at that point, I was like, I don't want to teach my daughter to be like, I, you know, I have been all my life. I need to teach her better habits, you know, a better way of being, you know, like that she doesn't need to just push through life and challenges and, and push down all of the emotions, you know, like the anger, the resentment, the sadness, you know, that she can, you know, like let it out. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. this is what causes disease, right? Like you just keep bottling up those emotions yeah. and thinking that you are dealing with them, but you're not dealing with anything. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. It's so interesting. You've got me now thinking about self-worth. Of course, I always think about self-worth, but yeah. 
So this thing, just sort of thinking about you coming back into that present moment of actually being at home by yourself, thinking, oh, I'm not going to distract myself with stuff and other people and children and husband and work and whatever, and actually sit here and face myself. And it's really interesting because people avoid this so much, right? They avoid it. And what I found really sort of curious to observe in so many people is that when we're present, we have to be in our feminine energy right which means we've actually got to feel stuff and we don't like that because it goes against what we've been taught which is we have to earn our worth we have to do more we have to be productive we have to compete with other people and all this sort of masculine stuff and there's so much power though in our feelings and you know what you're saying about vulnerability uh this always comes up on this podcast because vulnerability is so strong you know it takes so much strength to feel your emotions and then to allow people to see you when we're not you know like polished and perfect and this was a big lesson for me to learn as well that I only ever showed up when my life was looking good when I was happy and strong and confident and I didn't talk to my friends when I was having a bad day I'd only ever show up when I was this, you know, positive cheerleader type. And that's not strong. That's that's a trauma response. You know, that's like a trying to protect myself because I don't feel safe. So the courage to feel safe even in those vulnerable moments is so beautiful. So so beautiful. And it gives other people permission to feel as well. So beautiful anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think you're so right. And I think for me is that I have always been a very much a black and white person, right? I am like, this is what you get, you know, like I never been like, um, you know, I've got a friend, I'll tell exactly what I like. I am. And I have, you know, and, and, and as a result of that, I attract people that, um, you know, that, uh, that surrounds me that can take that, right? Because there is an amount of, you know, some people, you know, like I, you know, I remember when I first had uh, my first child, you know, and I, I had a beautiful, um, group of moms that, you know, we got together, you know, every week and, and it was our first child and everybody was on the same boat. You know, we didn't spend time going like, this is wonderful and so easy. And my child sleeps so you know, every night and they, you know, so easy to breastfeed. It was just like, this is hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is hell, you know, like who told us that this was a good idea, you know? (laughs) You know? yeah. So there was a lot of like, you know, real conversations about it. But I think what you're saying, I think what happens is like, we all have traumas and we all have feelings that um, it goes beyond this like day to day, be happy, you know, be strong. Like, unless we start resolving those issues inside us. Yeah you know, we are never going to heal and we're just going to be either sad or angry or frustrated or not happy or, or anxious or whatever. Right. And that's why I, you know, became super passionate about it because I knew that if I didn't, if I ate all the green juices and ate whatever diet, you know, you, you, you know, you had told me to, it was the best for cancer, but didn't resolve my emotional issues. I knew the cancer was going to come back period. You know, and I must admit, I did it for that reason first. <laughs> it wasn't because I wanted to do it. Yeah. I was like, are you real? Like, do I have to do this? You know, it's not easy, right? Like, this no. is the reality of it. Like, who wants to go there? 
Who wants no. to yeah. uncover that pain? No one wants to do that, right? No, no. But I knew deep in my heart that I needed to like really start going deeper and deeper and deeper and open up that can of worms. And I needed to take one one at a time out and just needed to create a different garden inside me. Yeah. And I think that that goes, you know, like beyond what we do like day to day. We need to consciously make a decision that we want to do that. Mm. And I think it's very easy to live an unconscious life and just be like walking around and and denying and, and lying to yourself about what's really been going on inside you. Yeah, totally. And I think part of the problem with that too is that we're constantly reacting to everything, right? Because we've got to control it or else we can't be happy. Our friend was rude to us and we're freaking out at home like, oh my God, I'm not good enough and they don't like me yeah. anymore. Instead of saying it for, they probably had a bad day and they just took it out on me. You know, that was yeah. one of the biggest shifts that I found as well. But honestly, I'm so, I'm still laughing inside. That whole little story then is just bang on the money. Like, who would want to deal with this stuff? <laughs> honestly, it's the worst thing ever. It's the worst and the best thing ever, right? The, um, yeah. The, the sitting there, allowing yourself to feel stuff that you've spent your life avoiding, your life, like, and so actually it's funny, one of my mentors keeps popping into my head, who also lives in Brisbane, um, and he talked about the biggest mask that we use is busyness. And yes. it's, kind of, it's kind of amazing because our society glorifies that, right? Oh, we're productive, we're crushing it, the hustle, the grind, like yeah. da-da-da-da, but we're dying inside. Like, we can't sustain that. There's... We're avoiding all sorts of stuff. So then guess what? All of a sudden people burn out. They get to 40, they have a breakdown. They suddenly leave their corporate career and go and study yoga because we're craving something so much more, right? I didn't even get oh. to 40, right? My burnout yeah. was at 38. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got to probably it. 30, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it's getting younger and younger. You now people getting diagnosed with chronic diseases, you know, autoimmune disease, you know, and it's not only cancer at a much younger age because yeah. you're right you know being busy and that, that's another thing that uh, I think it's a total silly like terms like oh I'm a workaholic no you're a workaholic because you can't face the reality of what's going on inside you yeah. so then you know you become busy and you become uh you know addicted is an addiction to work because you can't face what's inside you right yeah. um and I think that you know there is this massive push to um to seek and search for wealth and success and, and material things. And we are literally sick on the way that, and it's, you know, who wants to be the richest man, you know, in, in the cemetery, right? Like this is the reality of it. You know, like people, like I said, you know, oh, I'm just going to, you know, keep working in corporate or keep working on my business. You know, it's so tempting, right? Like you have your own business. I have my own business. Like I'm just going to work, like putting the hours in, you know, that's the only way, you know, 12 to 14 hours. You know, that yeah. is not the answer. You know, that is really not the answer because one, your productivity will show, you know, because you can't keep that, right? Like you can't, yeah, exactly sustain that like you said you know and I think that there is this like massive pressure on the society for us to focus on things that do not serve us yeah and the reaction is so so good that you mentioned that because 
we wake up, you know, I speak to so many people, like, you know, what do you do when you wake up? Oh, I look at my mobile. I was like, this is the worst thing you can ever do. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> do not look at your mobile. You know, like, I check my emails. No one's going to die. You know, like, just take some time for yourself. You know, like, we are in this constant reactive mode and you would take zero responsibility and ownership of our health, right? Like, because of our health and life. As soon as you look at that mobile, what are you going to do? Answer the email, answer, you know, your comments on Facebook, and then your self-care is going out the window, your heart start racing, your adrenaline start flowing, and then it's game over. Another day, you're kind of in this, like, um, treadmill, you know, like trying to catch up with what? Yeah. And then your health starts declining, and you wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Oh, I love this. I love it. And that's the crazy thing, right? It's like, I feel like the way we start our day is so important because it also sends a message to us about what we are worthy of, what we deserve. If we answer our phone, it's like everyone else comes first. Everyone else's needs are more important. We've already insulted ourselves and we haven't even got out of bed yet. However, it's funny because the word power keeps coming into my head, but, um, like the power to feel our emotions, right? If we think about meditation, but when we actually get out of bed and prioritize ourselves and like drink some water and get some fresh air and go for a walk or meditate or whatever, we actually take power over the whole day. We choose how it's going to be as opposed to waiting to see how someone's tone was in an email and then reacting and then just spiraling out of control. And that's the craziest thing. Like the, there's a doctor in New Zealand called Dr. Libby. I don't know if you've heard of her. She might be Australian, actually. But she, anyway, she travels around a lot. And she was speaking about how, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, even, we didn't have um, emails on our cell phones, you know? Mm. We didn't. We've got all this perceived stress yeah. now and all these notifications that pop up. And they're designed yeah. that way to make us want to react and respond and then use these apps and stuff. But yeah. we haven't, as humans, evolved our ways. That's not good for us. But we're still, like, behaving in the same way. So we've got this constant fight or flight, you know, response yes. going on. This high-level stress. I've got to respond to that. No, you don't. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, exactly. I, I've, I don't allow any of notifications. I just straight away turned all of them off. Yeah. And... And I think that, yeah, mobile and phones and social media, you know, I had, yeah, I had a real hard time joining social media and I, and I did just, you know, when I started my business, but I find it fascinating how much time people spend on social media as in just scrolling and, you know, watching cat videos or whatever they're watching, right? <laughs> because... <laughs> I do not understand, you know, I mean, maybe it's a generational thing as well because, you know, I'm, I'm 41 now. And it, it, again, I don't come from that, you know, like when I was 17, the mobiles were still like, you know, just numbers and you could barely text and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I don't allow my kids, you know, to be on, so, you know, like on social media or on internet or anything like that, because, I think that this is uh, very damaging for our, our span of attention. Like I said, you know, like we're constantly this uh, flight of fight. We're constantly uh, hoping for this instant reward. 
right? Instant reward because, you know, if this cat video hasn't made me laugh, I'm jumping onto the next cat video to see if that one makes me laugh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you don't, you don't stick around with anything because it's just like, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And I think it leaves us, you know, around information is the same path, the same thing. Now we're not, we're not designed to acquire all the amount of information that we are, with, you know, obtain today, these days, you know, with all the information, you know, think about health, right? You can read about so many different diets and, and foods that are good for you, foods that are not good for you and things that you can do. And then before you know, like you give up because it's like, there's so much information on that that people get like, I can't even, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. You know, I don't even know where to begin. You no. Know? And then you, 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 you put yourself in this place. You're constantly chasing for the next magic pill mm-hmm. or the quickest result thing and you do nothing. Because there's no time for action once all you're doing is consuming, 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 but not taking action, taking control yeah. and power back, right? Yeah, 100%. And it's all that external stuff. As long as we're looking for the external, we're in trouble. Like we just are. And it's like everyone says that, right? And everyone, like I can hear the resistance. You can feel people rolling their eyes right now, right? Like, oh. But once you once I have that money, I'll be happy. Or once I have that man, I'll be happy. You won't actually. Oh. It's the like you hit like that. We know when I first hit some of my biggest goals, what I was most excited about was that who I had become on the way. I was so yeah. proud of the things that I had let go of. I was so proud of all the times that I showed up with my journal and allowed myself to feel things that I'd spent my life running from. That's what made me happy. It's seeing the freaking double rainbows outside or like when you turn your car on and the perfect song comes on, you're like, oh, you just feel how supported and loved you are. You know, it's like, those are the moments that actually matter. And it's like, but we're taught, right? We're taught that it's the external. It's once we hit these milestones, everything will feel good. And it won't, it's not how it works. It's just, we've got to unlearn this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I think what you're saying is, so true and like you know it resonates probably if you're probably i'm sure if your story in mind right the urgency of um finding fulfillment and you know, i don't want to call it happiness because there's this pressure also of being happy right but finding um fulfillment and finding this you know this feeling of being grounded supported by life right here right now right i remember you know when i was diagnosed with cancer I went to see the pastor at my church and you know I'm crying like at the beginning of my journey and I'm like you know I've got cancer you know I've got two kids you know as if that's going to you know change anything you know and he's like listening very you know carefully and he's like mm-hmm. and he said to me Angelica what do you think is going to happen if you die Wow. And I was just like, shit. And I just, I literally had to, is a question, right? So oh, your brain just goes into, okay, I need to answer this question. But the question was pretty tough. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, and I started imagining, you know, like, you know, the day of, you know, my funeral, my husband having to tell my kids the next day they would have to go to school. My husband would have to go to work and, and, you know, all I could come up with and seeing like their life without me was that nothing was going to happen. Yes, they were going to be sad and my husband was going to be sad, but they would, you know, life would have to carry on, right? Mm-hmm. 
And for me, that was um, the perfect message that I needed to hear because I was like, oh my God, why do I even need to worry about this? I don't know when I'm going to die. No one knows when you're going to die, right? I need to live right here, right now, because that's all we have, Mm, right? This is it. Like, there's no point in trying to think like, you know, like this whole control thing. Oh, I know, like when I do this, I'm going to, you know, and what about this? And, you know, uh, tomorrow I'm planning. You don't know there will be a tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you don't start feeling yourself of those moments of like a gratitude and, and, and feelings of like, oh, this is good. I feel good. You know, I'm glad today's sunny or like, yeah, I'm listening to, I love this song. I'm going to do a little dance or I love my breakfast. I'm going to go for a walk, you know, like this, the smell of the flat, you know, there's more things that it sounds stupid, but all we have is now right here, right now. And that lesson, you know, for me, again, was another gift that cancer gave to me, right? Because I was that kind of person, you know, okay, so we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and then we're going to have this, going to have that. Like as in like controlling, I don't know, Saturday we're going to go to the beach and then, you know, like you control, you're trying to control everything because you're so bloody perfect, right? <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> when you get that diagnosed, there is no more control because you can't, I couldn't even cook my kids a dinner. I couldn't sometimes get out of bed to help them get dressed. Try controlling that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so for me, all of a sudden, you know, all this weight of trying to control everything so I could be so perfect, it was just like left off my shoulders. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I don't want to control anything anymore. Yeah. You know, like in actual fact, I just want to live like, what I'm doing today, you know, I plan and like what I'm going to do to, you know, like t- tonight I'll be thinking, okay, what I'm doing tomorrow, you know, like I've got a, an idea of my calendar, but I'm not going to plan what I'm going to do. Like, you know, Saturday and Sunday in three weeks time and five weeks. Time. You know, that stuff like doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's surrender, isn't it? That's what that is. That's it. Yeah. That is it. And that is the key. And I think, surrender and be present are the answers to every problem we will ever have and but the thing is that in order to do that you know like we've just talked about to first sit with yourself and be like like to go right back to the start you know about both of us for our our self-worth our self-love journey to sit with yourself and just be like I actually hate myself like I am not good enough I'm unworthy I'm unlovable all of these things to sit with that oh I mean it's not the best like it's not my favorite thing that I've done and saying that it also is you know because it's what comes from that is so amazing and like I love what you've talked about the actually living day to day like it sounds like such a like a quote that you'd see on Instagram right but when you've actually literally stared death in the eye it brings a whole new meaning yeah. to your life. And it's the exact same thing with my brother that I did not value life at all. I didn't care. I was 18, boom, nine-year-old brother gone. And it was just like my whole world spiraled. My parents moved to America a few months later and it was just like, <gasps> I don't even know who I am or what I'm doing. And But from that, you start to realize our lives matter how we choose to spend our time matters yes each day matters even if you don't leave the house like it just 
we're, we're so on this. I love what you, how you said before about treadmill. It is. It's like a treadmill of, yeah. of, of oh, I'll get this and I'll get the man and I'll get the kids and I'll get the house. And then I'll, I'll have this many followers on social media and, and then I'll feel good. And it's just, no, 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 no. <laughs> if, if you haven't healed yourself in the process of, you know, becoming, um, I feel that when you get there, it's not going to really matter. Yeah. You know, whatever you like that, you know, whatever your goal is, I really think, I really feel that uh, healing yourself, it's the most important thing, you know, and there is no point in pretending that you have nothing to heal because we all do, you know, and we don't have to have been like raped or abused or anything like that, right? Like, I think we all have things in our lives that, you know, and I'm not, um, um, comparing and suffering, but I think that, uh, you know, we need to, um, really acknowledge what we need to heal from, right. And that there has, uh, we have, that we have gone through things that they were not okay or that we couldn't cope with or that we didn't like, we didn't love, we didn't enjoy and things that made us sad, frustrated, angry or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there is no point in trying to sit in this like chair of like, oh, no, I had a perfect life, and then you know, because no one has that. Yeah. The um, the need for compassion, I think, and self forgiveness in this process is so important, isn't it? Because that's one of the things you know. One of the best questions that I love to ask my clients is, "What do you need to forgive yourself for?" And people just burst into tears straight away because we've all got this stuff that we're that's sitting there that we're trying to avoid that we feel like we're not good enough. We should be better at this. We should be further along. We should have achieved this by now. But when we actually unpack it, how quickly you can literally change your life by saying, yeah. okay, I should be better at this. And then, okay, why do I think that? Oh, well, actually I responded like that because this happened and I was doing the best that I could at the time. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I've just taken this massive like weight yeah. off of punishing myself for something because I didn't want to feel 90 seconds of awfulness. And that's yeah. the crazy thing that they say, you know, it's 90 seconds, isn't it? For something yeah. to run through your whole body. 90 seconds to literally feel something. And when, once that's healed and released, you're a different person. You are. Yeah. And the more you do that, the better you get at it as well. You know, like in allowing those emotions to come through and, and, you know, and healing is a process, you know, again, like I still work on myself, on my healing right, you know, now, you know, like yeah. cancer was one thing that I went through, but after that I had many other stressful situations that I had to go through, right? Yeah. Life will keep throwing things at us but it's how we respond to it and I think you know this is what I learned how I respond to things it's different now you know like I don't want to I don't want to be I don't want to be that person anymore which my response was always was always before cancer being angry I don't want to be that person anymore so I needed to change that you know it's like a habit right in 90 seconds I would just go default anger default anger default anger you know like for me you know like I just didn't want to be like that anymore and the more you start practicing this um you know different habit and different way of this different path that you want to follow the easier it gets as well you know like you said you know like you do it once and it's hard but then next time you do it again you know if you speak about that particular thing that you need to forgive yourself for the next time will be easier and the time after that will be even easier. And the time after that, you know, and, and before you know, you know, 
it doesn't it doesn't affect you anymore right and you're on to the next thing yeah yeah you let it go and then there are plenty more to come in its place oh, yes. <laughs> exactly. that's, a good, that's the positive message from today yeah. um so i just wrote down a phrase radical responsibility yeah. and I feel like that's the power of your message is that like how easy it would be like to be like, I got cancer. This is so unfair. I've got two kids. Like my life is over. I'm doomed. You know, I can't believe this happened to me, you know, victim, victim, victim. But instead to turn around and say, okay, how can I support myself through the situation? How can I move through it? Where have I dropped the ball in effect you know where have I ignored the red flags like you talk about and always from a place of compassion and wanting to grow but there's so much power in that and people just don't want to do this because it's it's easier to blame the external isn't it it's easier to blame the government or your mum or your partner or your boss or whatever but our power Mm. is in saying okay actually if this is in my life I had a role here I, I, whatever it is, like I had a responsibility. And then once we acknowledge that, then it's a game changer. But that in itself is very uncomfortable at times. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, like just to give you um, a a little bit of a context, like when I was diagnosed, it was called to the session before my chemotherapy. And they had all these people in the room that were recently diagnosed and about to start treatment. So you know, they just wanted to give like an information session on what to expect, right? So they were all diagnosed with different cancers. Mostly they were 20 years older than me. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I felt very out of place, but here we go. You know, I, I had to be there, right? So then they started with their like PowerPoint presentation and they said, you know, look, you're going to feel a little sick. So just do what you can. And um, if you are going to choose a fast food, you should choose McDonald's because McDonald's is uh, fresh, you know, it's cooked from fresh. Don't, so don't choose anything like from a deli or anything like that. I mean, at that point, I hadn't read anything about nutrition or anything about food. And I was just like, Whoa, that clearly is the wrong message because you know, McDonald's like so. I mean, I I never really ate McDonald's like that much anyway. So, but I was just like, it's not rock science, you know, that that food is sickening, right? But it was so easy, right, to sit in the sofa and to have eaten all the bad food, you know, like oh, you know, cakes and and sugary things and you know, like fast food or whatever. Um, I was sick 24 seven for seven and a half months, right? I was sick nonstop. Like I had morning sickness with my second child for nine months. So I thought I'm a pro at this. I can do this. So seven and a half months sick every day, wake up, you're feeling nauseous. You eat, you feel better for five minutes and you're nauseous again. Right. So, um, it was not easy. Um, my first session, it took me five days to get out of bed. like five days after my chemotherapy finished. So, um, you know, when people, you know, yeah, I'm blaming, you know, the doctors or I'm blaming the government or I'm blaming my family or I'm blaming the cats and the dogs and whatever, you know, if I didn't take responsibility, no one was going to go for a walk for me. No one was going to, you know, to, to change my diet in the process. Nobody was going to read and do all the research that I did for me. I had to do it myself. Mm-hmm. The doctors did not tell me to exercise. The doctors did not tell me to change my diet. I did it all on my own back. 
Yeah. And, you know, for me, it became a very, I had the most simple and beautiful life ever for seven and a half months. I would wake up and I would just think three things. What am I going to eat today that is going to replenish my body? Yeah. What am I going to do today? What am I going to do today that is going to replenish my mind? And what I'm going to do today that is going to replenish my soul? And I only focus on those three things. Well, you know, and that was definitely each meal, each bite was, am I going to eat this, this, this to help my body to recover? Because two weeks later, I would get another chemotherapy session. Mm. So I needed to recover quickly um, because you get delays and things and the doctors do not want you to get delays, right? Um, I needed to go for a walk or do whatever exercise that I could. And, uh, you know, and I can tell you on the wor- my worst days, I would go for a round around the block. But on my best days, I would just go for it. Yeah. I had my bike on, on at home. I would do weights. I would do yoga. I would do all of it. Yes. Yeah. You know, and then I would listening to things that were positive or things that were, you know, like a podcast or I would listen to something around emotional healing or diet or foods or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then I would just sit with myself and meditate. Yeah. So that was my only focus. I didn't care about the washing. I didn't care about my clothes, <laughs> how I looked, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, like if I had the latest iPhone or like watch, or, you know, I didn't care about my hair. Like I actually shaved my hair because I was losing too much hair. And I was like, shave this. I didn't care about getting a wig. I, just, I didn't care about anything. I was just focused on those three things day in, day out. Was it easy? No. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was not easy, but was it worth it? Oh my God, it was so worth it. You know, like for me, I finished 12 sessions of chemo um, and one of the oncology nurses, he said to me, Angelica, in eight years of oncology, I have seen four people finishing this chemo. They don't tell you, they don't tell you at the start. They don't tell you at the start. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, Okay. And I finished chemo stronger than I started. Yeah. Amazing. The power yeah, of the so mind. Exactly. And the spirit. Yeah. You know, and just setting yourself and making a decision. Um, I'm not going to just do what everybody else is doing or do the easy bits, right? The easy. I'm not just going to follow the easy path. Mm. You know, I'm going to do better than that you know and my goal wasn't um to be honest my goal wasn't to finish chemo my goal became much bigger than that i thought i'm gonna finish this like and i'm gonna regain total control of my health again i'm gonna be like in the best shape of my life and i am i'm 41 and i'm in the best shape of my life yeah yeah you know and i didn't do anything crazy you know i didn't go on a crazy diet i don't take any supplements you know, like I didn't do like any like boot camp doing like hundred burpees. I don't do any of that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like I do, I do things that bring me joy. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I love it. You know, I had somebody tell me like, oh, what do you do for yourself? I was like, well, I know I wake up and I meditate and I do my exercise. And, and they were like, no, like, do you have like a bath and do you drink a glass of wine? And I was like, 
look, no, I don't drink wine. I don't drink alcohol anymore. You know, like um, alcohol is poisonous. You know, I'm not saying that's, you know, for everybody in the world to stop drinking alcohol, but quite frankly, my liver worked 24 seven for me for seven and a half months. Yeah. You know, it takes three hours for the liver to filter one alcohol unit. Wow. And I thought it was going to be a little bit like respectful for me not to drink alcohol again. I've been to drink for like 15 years of my life. I don't drink, need to drink anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, may, may, you know, make a decision. Pick one, you know, like pick a path that is going to work for you. And that's for me, what, you know, for me, an idea of self-care today, of doing something that I enjoy is very different than what it was before. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think have been your, the biggest things in your life that have helped you with self-worth and self-love from where you were to where you are now? Um, I think uh, daily self-care that's uh, you start, you know, by doing things like, you know, waking up and, you know, doing, going for a walk around the block and sitting for five minutes. I think once you start doing that, you start building that connection. So it's like having two people apart and then you start getting closer because you're allowing yourself to connect to yourself again because most people are very much disconnected. And so it doesn't have to be like, you know, 45 minutes like a, um, a Pilates class, you know, like it just needs to be something that you do by yourself, that you get time to kind of gather your thoughts you know, I like the morning because you're fresh, then you don't have the excuse that in the night you were too tired and because let's face it, you're probably not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, the meditation is that sitting um, quietly and in silence, which we as a society need to do more of that because life is so busy, right? So it's really getting all the distractions out of the way. So I think that is definitely um how I started my journey, mm. you know, to, to really uh, understand myself. And, and then, you know, from there, it's so much easier to start asking yourself, you know, like, because you're actually observing your thoughts, right? Let's face it, you're not going to sit yeah. in meditation for the first time for five minutes and you're going to become this monk living in a cave, are you? <laughs> no. Your mind is going to be going like this. Oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do the washing and my boss said this and I'm pissed off. You know, yeah. you're going to be like that, right? So yeah. then you, you start seeing a pattern, right? You start going like, this I shit, you know, like yeah. I actually am quite angry at my boss or I'm actually quite upset about my husband's behavior or, you know, when the kids do this, you know, it really bothers me. And you start like, you know, understanding a little bit more about what's going on inside here. Yeah. Yeah. I love this and the power of this. And I think this is something that people need to understand is that it's not about perfection. It's about presence. So feeling what's actually there. And if you're pissed and you're raging, like last week, I got so angry. I was furious (laughs) with everything. I was so angry and like, Oh, I've not been that angry, but I allowed myself to be that angry. Like I actually smashed my desk. I was telling my mum the other day. I actually I was so angry physically I needed to get it out, right? I did that and then I went for a run around the block because I physically needed to actually shift this energy out. But um 
it's not about sitting here being like i need to be positive it's called yeah. toxic positivity for a reason we don't bypass that yeah. the courage the courage is to feel what's real right the shame the anger the sadness the whatever it may be and then allowing that to pass through instead of sitting here being like i've got to be positive all the time because yeah. you, you can be damn sure that for you and that journey you were not every day getting up thinking, I'm so grateful to be here and I'm so lucky to be on this path. You would be thinking, as you're throwing up again, why me? This is so unfair. You know, there would be moments of that. That's the thing. And hindsight's yeah. a beautiful thing, isn't it? Where we can look back and see the growth and the transformation and all the good that came out of stuff. But it doesn't mean that if we're going through stuff, we have to be perfect and grateful for everything. <laughs> no, definitely no. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's, um, that's so important. It's like, it's like when you have a friend, right? Like you can't get to know your friend if you don't talk to your friend. You don't ask your friend any questions. How are you going to know how your friend really is and how they really feel? if you're not spending any time with your friend and this is us, right? Like we don't spend any time with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how are we supposed to know who we really are? Mm -hmm. If all we're doing is running away from ourselves, it's impossible. It's actually impossible <laughs> to know somebody if you don't spend any time with them. Yeah. You can, you can give it a guess, but you know, like for me, was that, was that much of a disconnection? Oh, totally. And I think that um, because we don't like ourselves often, that that's why we avoid it. It's easier to be on the dating apps or on social media or just constantly distracted, right? So you never have to actually sit with yourself and feel what you feel. But the thing is that when we go within like this, part of that unlearning process, I think, is also unlearning the negative chit-chat. And, you know, I know in Australia as well, we mm. have this, this tall poppy thing where we're not allowed to feel good about ourselves. We're not allowed to feel confident. But actually, when we allow ourselves to be present and we allow ourselves to actually get to see ourselves, we can be honest about, wow, I totally changed that person's life. Oh my gosh, I made all those people laugh. I inspired all those people. This is so cool. Yeah. Wow, I had cancer. And now my yeah. whole life is about helping others get the most out. Like that's incredible. And yeah. it's like giving ourselves permission to actually say this stuff. It's crazy to me that we don't, but. We honestly, don't learn that. Yeah, yeah, we don't learn that. No. Yeah. And people, people resist it so much. I remember, um, and we should probably wrap up soon because we've been talking for ages <laughs> and it's gone so fast. Um, but my coach yes. said to me, my coach said to me last year, Monica, give me 20 reasons why you're a great coach. Go. And I was just like, what? Oh. and it was so brutal and so amazing because we're not taught to do that, right? How and, you hate, and you had to say it out loud. Yeah. Yes. And, and I struggled to think of the reasons. In the beginning, my brain was like, there aren't 20 reasons. And then yeah. as you think about it, you're like, no, there are. But the resistance to allow ourselves to go there, right? The tall poppy, what are people going to think? Ego, yeah. like, I'm up myself. No, you're not. How are you meant to help people if you don't acknowledge the incredible qualities that you have? Like you have to know what you've got to offer in order to go and offer it. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's not about us at that point. It's about them. If we don't yeah. acknowledge who we are and how we can help people, then they will never be able to receive the wisdom from the lessons that we have ourselves learned. Right? That's, and we all have 
we all have things to offer, right? We all have gifts. Yes. And I think that it's so important um, to learn that process. Like you said, you know, like give me, you know, five reasons why you're a great friend or a great mom or a great, you know, I think most people would struggle with that question because we are constantly putting ourselves down because that's what we learned. Yeah, totally. And we, that's it. We, we've practiced it for so long. Yeah. <laughs> That it's so easy. It's so easy to find the one thing that we hate versus the 10 things that are actually amazing because we've, we've programmed ourselves that way. But then how quickly you can shift stuff, you know, like by, well, what are you proud of? What have you done well? Oh, and then guess what? You know, like attracts like, start thinking, well, another thought will come, another thought will come. And then all of a sudden you're this worthy, unstoppable queen on a, yeah. On a mission. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, for me, like, you know, when you're talking about this worthy and, you know, the self-love is, it sounds like that you're probably um, a step ahead of me when you started your journey. I was like so in denial of, of how I felt on the inside. That is not even funny. Like it's, it's insane. You know, like if you ask me, do you think you hated yourself? And I'll say, nah, nah. I was stubborn. I was, if you had shaken that old version of myself, that old angelic and saying, stop, like, can't you see that you're on the route to die? I would have said, nah, I'm invincible. I can keep going. I can do whatever I want. And I'm not listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at that that's how much I was in denial. So there was, and I think it's, you know, quite sad that uh, I got to that point, you know, and I, I don't know, you know, how, like, as in obviously I've learned this and I've, but, you know, I have always had this drive and motivation, maybe, you know, maybe and disturbance as well. Maybe that's why I was on that path of not even recognizing for a single bit that I had a problem. <laughs> it's easy it's very easy to do that though and with our society yeah it's set up that way that you never have to stop be busy be busy and everyone yeah. will reward you and yeah I think but so many people will resonate with that if they're being honest with themselves so many I mean we all had our own coping mechanisms for me like I was not always like this I was not always like this I spent years running from my feelings which is why when I finally, when they caught up with me, it hit me hard. <laughs> yeah. And this is it. This is the catching up, isn't it? Like, because, you know, I always say the body doesn't lie. No. And the body starts showing you signs uh, when things are not okay. And, and the body is a lot more intelligent than the mind. You know, I know that because I've lived through that and I could not believe how much my body has done for me. Mm. Chemotherapy after chemotherapy and how my body is today. I am incredibly like grateful for each cell in my body because I know how hard my body has worked for me and the body does not lie. And I had, I had already been feeling lots and lots of signs. Yeah. Okay. Final question. If you could go back in time and give post yeah. or like pre-cancer Angelica one piece of advice, what would it be? 
action. You know, like I said, you know, I was so stubborn and so determined that I was doing the right thing. Um, I think it would have to say, it would have to be um, to catch my attention. I think uh, would have to be what's your future going to look like with your kids if you keep living the way you're living? Uh, yeah. I think maybe, maybe I would have listened to that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Man, this time just flew by. You know, I said I was going to keep us to two o'clock. And yeah. It's like an hour, five minutes. And I'm like, I could honestly talk to you all day. This is so <laughs> good. Um, but thank you so much for your time and your story and your wisdom. I've absolutely loved this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. And I feel very uh, blessed that our paths have crossed and amazing. Yeah totally me too all right well hopefully we can have you back sometime i can't wait to see the the feedback yes. from our listeners on this i'd love to have you come back yeah definitely thanks so much for listening guys i hope you enjoyed it i would love to hear your aha moments please share on your stories and tag me so i can celebrate with you and be sure to connect with me online i'm on instagram at mon 3.0 and find me on youtube by searching monica ferguson have an amazing week and remember that you are so inherently worthy you are so loved and you belong all my love guys see you soon